the entire Bible was written to people who get stuck and forget, who fall, who fall and can't get up. The entire counsel of God answers this question about our reality and gives us hope in a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and rose for us. Welcome to the Center Memphis Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Snodgrass, and today I'm joined by the founder and executive director of the Center Memphis, Howard Graham. The Center exists to define reality and offer hope for leaders in Memphis through the truth of God's Word applied to everyday life and work. We meet weekly to discuss leadership topics and offer personal one-on-one meetings to discuss your unique challenges and opportunities in work. We connect people to job opportunities and resource entrepreneurs to start new things. We release content throughout the week that you can access on our website, thecentermemphis.org. Visit our website to learn more or sign up for an individual or group session today. Howard, some of us know the deepest truths of life pretty well, and others of us don't. But we all know the feeling of being paralyzed not knowing how to move forward with purpose. In short, sometimes we find ourselves stuck at work, we find ourselves stuck in relationships and countless other scenarios, and we feel unable to move forward. This brings us to our question for today. In moments when we feel paralyzed or stuck, how do we move forward? How do we get unstuck? Great question. We've been there. I've been there this week. So first, know this. You're not alone. You have company. The rest of the world's population has been in the same spot over and over. Second, and a founding principle of the center, the entire Bible was written to people who get stuck and forget, who fall, who fall and can't get up. The entire counsel of God answers this question about our reality and gives us hope. In a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and rose for us. Third, the closest followers of Jesus were stuck. His very best friends, even those who knew the truth, they got stuck. They got stuck all the time. They got stuck right after they believed. They got stuck uh, right after the biggest miracle the world has ever seen, the miracle that changed the world, the resurrection. They got stuck. They had deserted him. They denied him. They deflected the truth. Uh, The very person they followed, the very person uh, that they called friend, that called them friend, they denied, deflected, and deserted their best friend. They were stuck. And when Jesus shows up, they were sheltering in place. They had reason to be scared. They were worried. Some had, some had seen him. Some had believed he'd risen. Some had not. But they were all stuck in fear. They all had the, they had the doors locked. They were sheltering in place uh, for way better reason than we might have done it. They were scared. They had a real enemy. They were, they were sought their their founder had been killed and they were very likely to be killed all of them except one would die uh, for the same reason he did so they had real enemies they had people after them Uh, they were more than but they were more than scared of crime and they were more than scared of a virus and they were more than scared of what to do next at work Uh, they were scared of literally somebody trying to get them and Jesus moves right in and so this does apply to us being stuck at work. This does apply to, wait a minute, I thought I was rolling yesterday. I knew the truth. Or I was rolling, and I don't know why I was rolling. This all applies because Jesus moves in and gives three steps that I really think if you take a minute and draw them, 
The Bible loves threes. I love threes. Um, the Grizzlies love threes. The, the three things to help you here um, when you're stuck, whether it's a specific enemy trying to get you or a more vague one. Uh, the devil's not vague, but he, he causes uh, us to believe something vague, to deny the truth, and, uh, and get us stuck. And it's just over, we're tripping over our own selves, whatever it is. Here's what he does. He enters through a locked door. He's resurrected. And he says, here's what he doesn't say. You bunch of stinkers. You deserted. You denied. You deflected me. We, we were friends, and you, and you didn't show up. No. No, he immediately, as he moves in, he says, peace be with you. And here's what picked us up in John 20, 21 to 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Three things there. Write them down. Peace be with you. Jesus gives us unquestionable, undeniable contentment and peace. Within almost the same sentence, and certainly the uh, first verse as our uh, Bible formatters put it all in one, I am sending you. You get great purpose. How are you being sent to me? Though the same way the Father sent me. We're going to unpack that in a minute. And they breathe on them, receive the Holy Spirit. These themes are, are throughout the Bible and reinforced. But you get peace and contentment. You get, you get knowing you're covered. You get great purpose for your life. Go. Now that you're covered, go. No more navel-gazing, as Tim Keller likes to say. Christians, when they know they're covered, they don't do that. They don't say, how do I else build my kingdom and get things all exactly right for me? When I know I'm stuck on myself, then, I, then, I've, then I've used that piece the wrong way. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm being sent. I have purpose. How does the Father sent Jesus? Uh, uh, again, we're going to unpack it, but that's amazing promise right there. That's about all we have to know. Move into your purpose and then when you get to the end of the, when you know you're in your purpose and you think, well, how in the world are we going to do this next step? You've received the Holy Spirit. He, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack the three things. Peace. From the very beginning. That's what we love. The Christmas season is not far, far away. But one of the first declarations by the angels, glory to God in highest. And on earth, peace to, them, to those on whom his favor rests. Peace is the first thing he came to do. They thought, oh, you're going to push back the Romans and get them out of our territory? We're suppressed. We're imprisoned. Uh, they've taken over much more than Russia taken over Ukraine if they would have won already. So there's peace from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to, to, to Revelation. That's what he came to do in the announcement by the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. He came to bring peace. He came to make peace. He came to reconcile a sinful, goofed up, stuck, fallen, and can't get up people to the very God who's perfect and holy himself. He came to reconcile and make peace by the blood of the cross. We see it throughout the New Testament. He had just prayed for his followers uh, just days before he enters this room that we would be one. He wants us to be one. What, what could give you more peace than knowing you're one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? That's what he prayed, and he prayed it for the generations. He prayed it for the people in Memphis and the U.S. and Russia and everywhere that my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through, this, through their message. 
that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe in you may, that you have sent me. One, complete unity, one with the Father of the universe, one with the Son, one with the Spirit. That's his prayer for you. We have to lean into it. And then it produces uh, practical things for us. As, as Paul writes, inspired by this Holy Spirit, to not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we get anxious. We get stuck. And so we then literally count your blessings. Count how did you get to this place that you are. The ridiculous miracles that have put you where you are today. You didn't do it on your own. You, you know you didn't. The, the, the biggest blessings in your life, you have to count on those who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe in God. You have to count on something. It's at very least fate. You didn't do it all. And so then you have to come back to what, what is directing all these things that are good in my life. And then by that, by being thankful for where you are, uh, you present your request to God. Lord, give me peace. Lord, I believe. Help me to believe. Give me peace. Those are things you can do. And all the way in the end, even in the summary of Revelation, the end of the Bible, grace and peace be with you. It's everywhere. You're called to peace. You're called to contentment. God is enough. He is sending you to more, but he is enough. And then once you know it, We'll quote, we'll quote Tim Keller one more time. He has a fabulous sermon we're going to put in the show notes on this and called Resurrection Gifts. But once he gives them that peace, there's just no only meanness to it. There's no navel-gazing. There's no, I'm building my kingdom. When I get self-focused, I get off. So I have peace. Now I'm using it for the benefit of only myself or only my family. I'm sheltering in place. I'm locked in. I'm scared to go out. No, it's nobody. He says, go. He says, go. Again, there's a whole other podcast on this, and it'll be in the show notes too. You're doing that with your head on your swivel. You're doing that to be wise. You're not throwing yourself down, but, he's, but there's a sentness about you. From the very beginning, God gives men and women great purpose. Subdue the earth and fill it, he says in Genesis. Put everything under his dominion. That's how it was said, and it goes always. He says when he meets him, in, in, in Matthew 4, you can look it up. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's the, very, it's the command from the beginning as he gathers up the ragtag group of followers and then makes them apostles of his word. And of course we know it in uh, Matthew 28. And that's the only one we remember maybe sometimes, the, what some of us are called the Great Commission. But he, all authority, Jesus says, it's right before he goes up. In the Acts version, they say, hey, what about, wait a minute, wait a minute, what about this political problem we have what about this fact that we're ruled by the romans what about this fact that we're basically slaves i thought you were coming to make peace militarily or politically and he says in acts 1 7 don't worry about that i'm paraphrasing greatly don't worry about that i've got you go make disciples of all the earth in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth go and make disciples he's there's a sentence there's a purpose there's a stop worrying about where we are and so again they were their culture was very much war in a situation politically and militarily worse than if russia would have won immediately and taken over ukraine they were they were under rule they were being taxed heavily 
and they were and he says don't worry about that go i've got you this is a great scenario the crime in our city is a great scenario to be sent police need backing police need encouragement they're doing great work as the mayor recently said go and back one there's a, there's a program called back the blue kids to break the cycle of poverty we need to read to them we need to give them identity we need to love on them we need to care for them there's a kid you can do something for read to them let them know they matter give them a positive role model in their life uh, go to the places people are scared to go you'll be blessed you'll be you'll be unscared of going and you'll you'll be sent you'll know it uh, help somebody up help somebody uh, who's who's fallen uh, in bigger ways who's maybe been even imprisoned to get good work support it financially or support it by going to meet them and letting them know what their gifts are uh, send them to us we do these things we connect them to people but you're sent to be a blessing your workplace where you feel stuck stop and look around who needs identity who needs to know uh, that they're that they matter everybody around you so if I, if I get my focus off myself and put it on the people that God's given me in the workplace, that has given me go and care and love the people you're with. Hey, but Lord, when I do that, I get to the end of myself. If I, if, I, if I interrupt them, ask them what's wrong with their day, it might cost me all day. So I've got to be interruptible, and then I've got to know I have the power of the Spirit. That's what Jesus says when all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. So he's given you the Spirit. And the Spirit, hilariously, and in good ways, he breathed on them and gave them the Spirit in that room. And throughout the Bible, then it gets compared to wine a few times. But you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. When it comes on, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, all the ends of the earth. That's what we just read. But when Pentecost, come, Pentecost came, and, he, and it really came, you can see in Acts 2, he said, these men aren't drunk. They're filled with the Spirit. They've been given a peace beyond understanding. They know their purpose, and they are filled with joy beyond all joy. And that's why Paul can write later in Ephesians, do not get drunk with wine. But be filled with the power of the Spirit. We need something to fill our lives sometimes. We need something just to chill out. There's nothing wrong with wine in itself. But when, how much more will the Spirit fill you when you know you have the peace, when you know you've been sent, when you know the, the power of the Holy Spirit lives within you and you access it? It never leaves. If you're a follower of Jesus, Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns in you. So go in peace, be content, know that you're sent, and access it. You know, you'll know you have purpose when you go where God is sending you, which is probably right where you're planted. You have the power when you know and access the Spirit who lives within you. So look at more of this in detail in the show notes. The verses will be listed. You'll, the um, Tim Keller sermon, who breaks it into four gifts, which I've summarized in three, uh, a fabulous sermon on this. Or if you need to know more, come and join us in groups. We talk about this type of thing every week, and we're reassured of his peace, and we're reassured of our purpose, and then we know we're sent and where to go by the power of the Holy Spirit. So come to one of our groups or set up an appointment one-on-one to talk about these things. Uh, this is why we're here. Uh, go in peace. Be sent by the power of the Spirit. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions about today's podcast or just want to learn more about the center, 
As Howard said, please email us at info at thecentermemphis.org or go visit our website at thecentermemphis.org and schedule a meeting with us. We're happy to talk with you. See you next time.